Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Thank you for taking some time to listen today. We so appreciate you taking any of your time to listen and to engage with what we're talking about today. And uh, if you have a minute, if you would go to whatever platform you listen to this on, and if you wouldn't mind rating, even subscribing, and even leaving a comment, that just really helps us continue to get more hope and help out to people. Uh, Today, we're going to have a conversation on the teenage years, which I'm excited about, and needing personally to talk about because we are quickly approaching the teenage years, Elizabeth and I. And so Phil and Diane, Elizabeth and I are going to be uh, chatting about the teenage years. And really, because we don't have teenagers, we're going to do more of the curiosity, the asking of questions, the what did you do and how hard of a teenager was Elizabeth and all those fun questions. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to have some of those uh, conversations today. But maybe to kind of set us up a little bit, Elizabeth, why don't you start us? Well, you know, I think so many, I mean, so many parents who are Jesus followers, I think carry this fear that as their kids get older, they won't have their own personal faith with Jesus Mm -hmm. and love of Jesus. And I think, you know, for me personally, it was in my teenage years that that really came alive. And I think that's really, really common. Brooke and I were high school youth pastors for, I don't know, five or six years. And Mm -hmm. we got to see so many kids just really fall in love with Jesus. And um, that was just such an important time in their lives. But I think, you know, as we're raising little kids and we have so much control over, okay, guys, we're going to have, we're going to read our Bibles today and we're going to memorize scripture. Like we are creating that atmosphere, but we know that as they get older, that has to then become something that they are Mm -hmm. passionate about and Mm -hmm. they want to prioritize in their own lives because that's the goal when they leave the home. So, you know, we talk all the time about, This is what this whole podcast is about, of intentionally raising passionate Jesus followers. So what does that look like as your kids become more independent, as you want it to become their own, as your prayer is that it becomes their desire, not your command, you know, where you want to see this heart for Jesus become really their own? Like, tell us, what does that look like when they become teenagers and how do you help cultivate that? Well, of course, every child is different. Mm -hmm. And you really notice this on the spiritual level as they grow older. Um, When they're little, you treat them all kind of the same. You're reading the same Bible story book. You're praying the same way. But as they get older, their individual approach to God is beginning to change. Yeah. In my case, I had two daughters and two sons. And my two daughters of my two daughters, Elizabeth, you and I are the most alike in our devotional approach to reading the scriptures and to listening to God. Whereas Rebecca was much more, um, she's more like Phil, very factual, very curious on an intellectual level. And it was important to me to respect that in her Mm -hmm. and to recognize that she's not going to, her faith is not going to sound exactly like mine. We believe the same things, but we're going to express it differently. So that was one of the things. But I did notice that something nearly magical began to happen in our home in the earliest teenage years. Mm -hmm. And I've come to believe that if you catch it in those early years, maybe even down to 11 and 12 and 13, Mm -hmm. if you can catch it and notice it and cultivate it carefully, you will benefit and so will your teenagers from it from the rest of your life. And it goes something like this. Your child begins to grow in some sort of insight. Mm -hmm. They've seen you sharing from the scriptures, and they listened to the Sunday sermon, or they read their Bibles that morning, and something stood out, popped Mm. out to them, and they get excited about it. And he comes to you, and he just spills that insight onto you. Mm. 
Well, she's excited because a light goes on. Mm-hmm. And and so she offers you some advice because she just read this in the Bible. Yeah. The first time I saw this, Rebecca was about 14 and a relational conflict with some of my extended family had come up and I was visibly upset by it. Mm-hmm. And she grabbed my hand right then and there and just started to pray over me. Wow. And the peace of God just flooded me. My girl knows me. She mm-hmm. knows my heart. She knew exactly the spirit words that I needed to hear. Or another time when Phil was traveling for many years, he traveled with Luis Palau, and it was hard to get hold of him, you know, yeah. not always having cell phones. <laughs> and I had a big decision to make, and I didn't know what to do. And I went to John Mark, and he gave me wisdom straight from his time in the Word that morning morning and it made sense Hmm. it was just like an immediately (laughs) oh yes this is what you're like it actually no it actually made sense i I know those moments when your kids surprise you Mm -hmm. and you're just like oh oh my gosh that's like really intelligent and i i mean it's not like you're so clear yeah it's like not like you're assuming that they're not intelligent but like you just like all of a sudden they matured way beyond their years in a quick moment and Because you have raised them to know and love Jesus, they at this point know more than you understood at this point. I mean, I was a first generation a believer. Point. At 15, yeah. I was still trying to figure out whether or not I had understood the gospel and I was indeed saved. Hmm. So, and here he is at 15 in the word and hmm. giving me counsel straight out of the word and it, and it making, being wise and making hmm. sense. No one ever told me about this incredible facet of parenting a teenager. I had just heard all the horror stories, Mm. and they're out there. Yeah. But as each of my teenagers were really young, and they began to grow in their walk with God, and now as they're adults, they are by far my closest connection, my closest community, my closest sisters and brothers in Christ. Mm. They remind me of what I taught them and what I know. They exhort me. Sometimes they correct me. And nobody has a right to correct me quite like my adult children Mm. do right now because they know me so well that they force me to be kind of a little bit more honest with myself than I would Mm. be on purpose. Well, you know, so as you're saying that, it reminds me of a really important thing because I think you and Phil do an incredible job. And I've been in in this family now for what? How long have I known you now? Like 17, 18 17, years? Yeah. A long time. Since I was a since I was a young lad. Since you were a teenager. Since I was yes. a teenager. Um, too long. Too long. <laughs> it, it's good. But like that's something that you guys have exampled. And I think maybe even is something for this time, but also as parents get older to remember to continue to invite that into yeah. your in your life with your children. Yeah. Yeah. But that takes like the mm-hmm. parent taking the first step to be the parent and and actually have the humility to listen. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how many times you want to say something maybe to an adult figure or your own parents, but they're not, if their stance is, I can do no wrong. <laughs> I've never been wrong. You've only ever been wrong as the child. And I've always been right as the adult. I mean, there's no like true no. intimacy or connection. Exactly. And so something that I think that I see you guys do is you you're open to, you know, the truth in love, which is a very important phrase, like in love, like the honest conversations, like, yeah, that doesn't, you, you know, you, you'll from, a, whether that's from Elizabeth or even we have discussions sometimes about different things like, oh man, I'm concerned about this or that or whatever. And you guys don't ever just, you know, shoo away those different ideas. You just mm. listen and are open. And that is such a gift that I know even as an adult child to be able to experience with you guys. But I think even, I think that applies in the teenage years in a huge way. If you Mm -hmm. are a person that like, Hey, what would you do about this? Man, what an incredible relationship of depth and uh, connection you can have with your, you can, you You can. And it's the thing is at first, at least at first, that kind of openness is really fragile. Hmm. That's why it's so important that you go in with all your sensitivities on Oftentimes in the rush of our and the reality of our days, we have this terrible tendency as parents to stay stuck in a kind of off-putting, high and holy parent mode. Mm -hmm. And nothing shuts a teenager or a young adult down faster than that tone of talking. And believe me, this is the tone, the voice of experience. (laughs) I could see the shutters close on my Mm -hmm. kids when I started just just spouting what I believe is true 
in an insensitive way, which I did far too often. Um, and though I made a million mistakes, and I know Phil would say the same, I do know better now, mostly because of those mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to pass yeah. some of them on so you don't have to see those shutters close on your teenager's yeah. face yeah. and shut down. And and basically, over time, do we, we have about three keys or three three nuggets that we want to pass on of things that we learned in order to make the most of these beginning um, beginning forays into this sort of spiritual connection with mm-hmm. your child where you're no longer speaking down to them, but you're actually beginning to treat them like a brother or sister in Christ and with the mm-hmm. sensitivity of of respecting them. And I know that Phil has some things to share about that too. Yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. I know you've you've been over there uh, scouring the scriptures and uh, yeah. uh, per usual, which we love and everybody well, loves. That yeah, a scripture to came to mind that I, I wasn't on my mind today until we started talking about this from First John, which I'll read in a second. But well, it started off with Elizabeth saying the parents' fears that what if my kid, by the time he's a teenager, he doesn't want to follow Jesus, and mm-hmm. we start off there. And I think what we're talking about now is um, that it's really important that you have done the hard work in the found what we call foundational years birth through five and that you are you are um teaching them to walk with jesus you are teaching them uh god's way for living and and they you are memorizing some scripture and and then you know in six to twelve you're continuing to to uh model for them what it looks like to walk with jesus so by the time they're teenagers um First of all, you're praying that they've already received Christ as Savior. You know, mm-hmm. like it says in Colossians, uh, that not only do you want them to receive Him, but you want them to be rooted and established in their own faith mm-hmm. um, with thankfulness. And so that's what we experienced with with our kids. Is by the time they were all teenagers, they had their own faith. And Diane's saying, yes, they still were weren't as old as we were, and maybe hadn't walked with the Lord as long as we had, but they were young adults. And I think that there's that switch where, you know, you have the little kid years where you just say, you know, you need to do what I asked you to do because hmm. I asked you to do it, so go do it. But in the teenage years, um, you, you, if they've received the Lord, you're still the parent, and they're commanded to honor you, hmm. honor your father and mother, mm-hmm. for as the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the earth. It's Ephesians chapter 6, quoting Deuteronomy. And then you as a parent are commanded not to provoke them to anger. And one of the mistakes we make, and the way we do that is treating them like they're little kids with no opinion, and we don't respect them, and we're still treating them like they're little kids. But if we realize they're actually my brother and sister in Christ, that even though there's the parent-child relationship, which will always be there, even now at our age, mm-hmm. we we are still, our kids still honor us, and they do. They honor us as mom and dad, and we want to be careful not to provoke them to anger, but at the same time, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, that happens in the teenage years. Mm-hmm. And therefore, yes, you want to respect their insights. Like Diane said, they may not say it perfect, but um, they can actually be used of God to shape you. <laughs> Which is the first key. The first of the three keys is respect their insights, and that's what Phil's talking about. Yeah, yeah. the verse I wanted to read, interesting, is from 1 John chapter 2, verses uh, 13 and 14, where John, who's, who's old when he writes this, but he says, I've written to you children because you know the Father. And so when our kids are little, we want them to know who God is and that He's good and He's a good Father. And then, of course, we want to show them what a good father looks like and a good mother looks like by modeling you know, God's love to them. And then it goes on to say, I've written to you fathers because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I think that you know, as fathers, there's a little deeper faith. You realize God is eternal and He's with me and He's always faithful and He will never leave me. And we have this deeper faith. But then, this is what I like, thinking of teenagers, it says, I have written to you young men, and women too, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, or lives in you, and you've overcome the evil one. Mm. So I think we want teenage boys and girls, young men and young women, who are strong in the Lord, 
and the word of God abides in them, and they're fighting against the evil one. I mean, they're mm. fighting against whatever wickedness it might be. Uh, the battle for purity uh, against uh, sexual temptation, uh, the battle to live God's way when the world is going in the opposite way, and I think that we help them in that fight, mm -hmm. and they help us in the same fight. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think not only respecting their insights, but um, inviting them to speak into your life as well. So. I I would add to that, that sometimes, like Phil said, they're not going, your teenagers are not going to phrase it, what their insights are exactly in the right way. And that's where you just have to edit yourself. Just put <laughs> a filter over that mouth of yours. It's no longer yours to correct them exactly. Hmm. Don't make the mistake of correcting their theology in the moment. They're getting something. They're catching mm -hmm. on to something. Yeah. Just listen and absorb what their heart is behind the way they're saying it instead of correcting them. And I also learned that almost always, you know, when they talk to you about listening, um, You'll hear teaching about, you know, listening is also saying back to them what they said to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. During a brief period of time during the teenage years, I'd say, don't take that advice. <laughs> it seems like every time I tried to put it in my own words, what they were saying to me, they just get kind of disgusted with me because my way of saying it was just not hitting the the target. Yeah. Yeah. So I did learn that for a few years where they're a little hypersensitive to correction. Just hear the truth and what they are telling you instead of saying a better way for them to say it. That yeah. is, if you want them to keep sharing their hearts with you. Yeah, that's beautiful insight. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I'm going to file that one away as <laughs> Duke gets older. Um, and I just was thinking like, when I think about how much just what teenagers are facing now compared mm -hmm. to what I faced as a teenager, just like say in school, for instance, mm -hmm. compared to like the world we're living in now compared to the world I lived in as a teenager, which to me doesn't feel that long ago, but really was a long time ago, <laughs> like 20 <laughs> years ago, I'm 35, but there's a really big difference. Mm -hmm. And so to me, as I'm hearing you talk, I feel like we would be just practicing so much wisdom if we listen to our kids' insights because, yeah, the principles might be the same, the scriptures might be the same, the theology might be the same, but their experience in the world is something that we haven't lived. This and is it true. doesn't mean that we don't have a ton of wisdom to speak into it and God's truths are always the same. But it seems to me that although it would be hard and humbling as a parent to take the time and actually absorb what they're saying and actually hear the struggles that they're facing— because they're going to be different struggles than mm -hmm. we faced. Mm -hmm. And that's just going to continue, especially with how fast our world is changing right now. I think that, you know, and I'm, and I'm just thinking like applying this to our stage right now. Like if we can start to do that with our kids right now mm -hmm. when they're almost 12 and 9 and 5 and 3, like if we can start to really listen to them and try to understand their world now, then it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that that would just create an even bigger open door as they get older for them wanting mm -hmm. to share their experiences because they know we actually want to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, that's huge. They actually, that you actually want to know yeah. as the parent. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. this is where there's no substitute for time, yeah. spending time and showing interest and in your son time. or daughter. I found myself, yes. we're just in a particularly stressful full season and Scarlett, our nine-year-old, keeps asking me, well, why can't I do that, mom? Why? Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, pushing quite a bit. And I'm tired and I'm frustrated. And I've heard myself say so many times because I said so. <laughs> and every time I say it, I cringe a little bit because I know that if I keep doing that, I'm shutting her down. Mm -hmm. I'm shutting her down. I'm shutting her mm -hmm. out. I'm communicating to her. I just need you to stop talking. And that's kind of what I feel, but it's not the culture I want to create with her. It's not the relationship I want to create. But if you don't have time in that moment, here's yeah. what you can do. You can say, honey, I, I don't have time to talk to you about this right now. You do have to obey me. So go ahead and obey. Yeah. But I promised you that we're going to sit and talk about it. And then yeah. like at bedtime or something, bring it up and see. It might be less of an issue yeah. at that point because mm -hmm. she already had to surrender her will and do yeah. what you said. And then you can give a, a good That's explanation really good. of what your thinking is behind that, which make, I did find that, especially my daughters, and maybe it was personality, maybe it's not gender. Sometimes your teenager or early teenager just needs to be heard. 
Mm-hmm. And you're afraid if you hear them out and you listen to the whole thing that you're sort of agreeing or something. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to get it off their chest. Yeah. And sometimes so they self-correct as it's coming out of their mouth. They're realizing it isn't lining up with mm-hmm. what you've been teaching them all those years. And they kind of can figure it out, get yeah. out of their head a little bit. And Yeah. Honoring them enough to be willing to listen is showing them your love for them. But I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of James chapter one, because I need to remind myself, because of the two of us, Diana's by far the best listener. Be, what is it? Quick to hear Mm -hmm. and slow Slow to speak speak. for the, and slow to anger. So slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In other words, if you're angry at your kids and you're spewing anger at them, it's not going to produce the result of a kid who wants to honor God because they're experiencing rejection and fleshly anger. But the first part is just be quick to hear. And so, Mm. you know, that old adage, why did God give us two ears and one mouth? Right? (laughs) (laughs) So we would hear better. No. So I I don't mean to stir the pot or even, I don't want us to get off this at all, but a couple questions uh some of you listening have sent in recently and it's actually been a growing question that i've heard from uh parents that are that are friends of mine as well and it it as we're talking about this it keeps gnawing uh, in my mind of like this thing to bring up simply because i think more people are facing it than we realize but you know respecting your kids insight is really important for your relationship but what if you have a bad relationship with your kids mm-hmm. and what i mean is what if you particularly, and I've, these are the words of parents that questions some of you have sent in and also I've heard, is what if you don't like your kids? Mm-hmm. And and that's a really, I know that's raw and I, I, we didn't even talk about talking about this, but that's something that kind of continually is coming up. Mm-hmm. And I think about the challenge of respecting a child's insight when, you're, when your relationship's already really fractured mm-hmm. and your relationship in your mind as a parent, you're like, I just have kind of written this kid off because they won't respect me or they won't mm-hmm. um, do what I say. And, and there's lots of reasons and it's easy to say it's their fault and they're saying it's your fault and that's not even the point. But I would wonder if we would have any just encouragement or just even a moment to empathize with those of you who are wanting to enter into this, but really don't have any desire to because mm-hmm. of the broken relationship and um and that's always been really hard, but I think it's very, I think it's more common than people want to talk about because mm-hmm. the moment you say, yeah, I'm really having a hard time liking my kids right now, you feel so much shame. You yeah. think I should love my, like my mm-hmm. kids, love my kids. And and honestly, for some people, that's not a problem. They've never felt those feelings in the world. But there's a there's a growing number of people that do experience that. And so I just wonder if there's anything that um, we might be able to encourage some. Well, and I think especially right now, you know, what I keep hearing from parents is I am with my kids 24 hours a day. Mm. I'm their tutor. I'm their teacher. I'm their house cleaner. I'm, you know, and I'm trying to work and I'm struggling to like my kids Mm -hmm. like that. We're hearing that so much and experiencing that so much because we have four kids at home. And I think especially for the families who maybe all their kids have been in school for years and this is a huge shift. Nobody's used to being together this much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I just want to say like, to give people freedom to not suppress those feelings of, mm-hmm. of course, we love our kids. We all, a, a parent never stops loving their kids no matter what happens. Yeah. But I think there are times when we struggle to genuinely enjoy them and like mm-hmm. them. Maybe we're going through a really hard time and everything mm-hmm. just feels too much. Or maybe our kids are going through a particular phase that it's difficult to like them. And so I think that's what I hear you saying and what we hear people saying a lot is, of course, I love my kids, but like, what do I do when I'm struggling to like them? And then that season has gone on and our relationship is now fractured. Yeah. I would imagine it's just really hard to respect their insights when you're like, I don't, I don't care what your insights are, right? Because you have that fractured relationship. And and I, my, my hope with even bringing this up isn't to stir the pot, but rather to just empathize with those who maybe carry a lot of guilt and shame around this. And, And I think this especially pops up. Um, and again, we don't have teenagers as of yet, but we are getting close. Uh, I would imagine a lot of this pops up in the teenage years because mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. so desperately trying to become, your kids are trying to become who they are Yeah. and you've, you've set mm-hmm. the, the groundwork, you've laid the foundation mm-hmm. and some kids are like super compliant and like, yeah, I'm excited. I'll go through the the motions, I'll, I'll follow the rules, but then there's others, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you even tell fun stories of John Mark, how he would, you know, in his own respectful, as much as he could be respectful way, 
uh, you know, defy the different terms. He had to become his own man in that own in yep. his own space. And and I don't think all of that's bad, right? But I I do I just want to say if you're feeling that or you're a parent that's experiencing that, um, I think there is a spot where we need to just not only empathize, but um, I think that could be a topic that we talk about more for more of yeah. for 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 people. I think as well. so too. But I would lead it. I I would say this leads really well into the second key. Yes. Hmm. So the first key is to respect their insights. Hmm. And you're saying that's sometimes really genuinely challenging, especially when their insights go counter to scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can still be like like we taught our kids you sometimes you have to just respect the position. You don't actually have to. like you have to when our kids were young, there was it. a pres we had a president of the United States who we did not have respect for him as a man. But we insisted that our kids respect the office. I would turn that around on parents and say, We we respect the kids even if we are just so off. Yeah. You know, and, and you be respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say your question leads into number two, and that is this is hard. <laughs> Humble yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. For one so thing, we all come to a point, I think, in parenting when we realize our love is too small. Mm-hmm. We have this God who loves so huge and generous and no matter what and right where we are. And we begin to realize how small our love is. Mm. I think the only thing you can do in that moment is just, worship, number one, worship him for him, for mm. how big his love is, and ask him to please mm. do whatever it takes to enlarge our hearts yes. before we misrepresent him to our children. So there's, mm. there's raw great. honesty. So yes, good. every parent feels it. Yes, we could justify it. They're being awful. Yeah. Some kids are just yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. for a period of years just and it's like some kids are awful on purpose mm-hmm. i think to see if you still really love them mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but if we could ask god to love through us and enlarge our hearts our hearts confess that our love is small that i i feel loving towards that child when she's not bugging me or when he's being respectful to me but when he's acting like the prodigal my love mm-hmm. is really small and, mm-hmm. we, and where was the prodigal father when his disrespectful son came back? He yeah, was like, I mean, there. I view him, I see him as like standing on his front porch waiting, just longing for that son mm-hmm. to come back, mm-hmm. even while he was being not going after him. So I would say humble yourself and, you know, let your children speak into your life, even if you don't like what they say yeah. or what they see. In yeah. you, you've been correcting them all their lives. They're going to say it a little bit off, a little too strong, a little too insistently, <laughs> a little too whiny. Do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let them. Yeah. They're loving you. They're loving you enough to be honest back to you. And then you will open a beautiful way if you can just swallow your pride, humble yourself, see the truth in what they're saying. And you're opening a beautiful way of relating for really for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I would just say, be careful. Don't, te- don't ever say it out loud to anybody that you don't like your child, yeah. ever. Yeah. Don't say it to your spouse. Mm. That is something you get on your knees and you confess to God what, and you ask him, what is off in me? What, mm. what, trigger, what, is, what is she or he, what are they triggering in me? There's, there's something going on. I think that's such a good question. I know that's been such a helpful thing for me to ask is because so often we're not even aware that the things that are bugging us in our kids are actually oftentimes, not always, sometimes it's just annoying. Whatever's happening mm-hmm. is annoying and we're tired. But so often it's triggering some wound mm-hmm. in us Mm-hmm. some you know unconscious message we heard as a kid and mm-hmm. that particular kid or that particular attitude that that kid sometimes has is actually just invoking something in us that makes mm-hmm. us become dysregulated mm-hmm. that we then mm-hmm. over respond to something that is maybe annoying but we're responding as it is this mm-hmm. deep character well, flaw in our kid mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i think that question is like and even it's like with God asking, God, is this triggering something more yeah. in me that you want to uncover and that you want to heal? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. God can heal all of those things. Yes. Or maybe you need help. Maybe you need to talk to somebody to help uncover what those things are mm-hmm. and help heal from what those things yeah, are. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't talk about this, but that exact thing that you just said, you know, like I said, we're on the cusp of the teenage years. And one of our kids recently was really honest with me and just sharing really like how 
whether it's my uh, disposition or intensity um, has basically affected them and, and hurt them and mm-hmm. how they didn't appreciate <laughs> how I acted, you know, just very clearly, oh. like you, like you just <laughs> very, said, very like directly. Didn't, didn't, didn't like, you know, they, they didn't um, say it the best way or <laughs> say it very graciously uh, yeah. at all. And it was like, you know, it was, it was like alarming how, you know, intense it was. But then I started to realize, you know, in those moments, I mean, maybe just to empathize to first share that we're all in process myself, mm-hmm. especially included. Uh, but also like, it was so hard. I will be yeah. so on. It mm-hmm. was so hard to be yeah. like, let me now affirm all the things that you just said and say, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm the worst. <laughs> you're the best. No. How, you know, like <laughs> it was, it, it and and Elizabeth was there too. She's like she, Elizabeth was saying to me. She she was just like I hey. made you leave the room for a couple. Yeah, minutes. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then and then she Elizabeth kept saying to me like, yeah, you you just you need to affirm what's happening here. And I'm like I I don't. No, I, I didn't mean, say affirm. I said no affirm. Like like, igno- like you need to acknowledge what she's feeling. You know. Yes, you need to acknowledge some of the stuff that is happening in this space. <laughs> and so I was trying as much as I could to acknowledge that but i i'm just being honest it is so hard it's so hard it's so much it's easy to sit here on a podcast and i know people are going to be listening going humble yourself got it i'll do that but when you're faced with it it is like jesus give me the strength Mm -hmm. because they're because they're saying things that are so close to your heart because they're real things that that are that are either you know weaknesses of yours and so the idea of the fact that you know a parenting or raising children can be one of the best forms of spiritual formation. I really yes, believe that. I I do really, too, yes. I'm experiencing that. I mean, more than I could ever imagine. And I think this is where parenting together as a team yes. is so key. The lamp of the light. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I mean, in full transparency, like in that moment, I knew that what was being said was going to cut straight to his core. Mm-hmm. And and I knew that he needed to absorb it a little bit and that I could help redirect this child into how to have a a, a helpful, fruitful conversation mm-hmm. with their dad about it. And then he came back in and, Brooke, you were incredibly humble in the way that you responded. And you immediately apologized and restored relationship. But I think it's those moments, as hard as they are, that is how we actually teach our kids about grace. Yes. Because in those moments when a parent can come in and say, you're right, I have totally not been being kind to you or whatever it is, or I've been disrespecting you or whatever it is, where we can say, mom and dad are not perfect. You're not perfect. We don't have it in us to be perfect. But Jesus is, and he's forgiven us for all of it. Like we're showing them what grace actually is. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like you can fully understand what grace is until you mess up. Like until you really actually need it. Mm -hmm. Because we want our kids to understand that. And I think, I know Brooke and I are still trying to fully understand what being fully forgiven, fully loved, fully accepted by God really means and, yeah. and get help i would say get help from other people you know whether that's listening to a podcast or counseling is huge i i know for me my counselor at this point <laughs> we don't even have meetings i just call him <laughs> all the time like at this point I, I don't even know if he's charging me anymore because it, like we're in this <laughs> season where i'm just like okay so this happened i'm not sure what to do with this and i can't figure out that what's going on there <laughs> And I'm so thankful for, you know, people in my life. And we all have those people. And and if you don't pray for them and uh, identify them, but those people that you can call and just kind of be honest with and transparent with and be like, I don't know what to do here. But I mean, for me, I'll just be honest. That's been such a gift to have people and Phil and Diane, you're this way with us as well, just to have Mm -hmm. people that you can be honest with. You don't have to pretend like mm-hmm. that you have it all put together and you can be transparent and say, what in the world am I going to do? Because I know I'm not doing it right. How do I humble myself? Right? Like, give me the example of how to do that. Yeah. Phil, wow. you well, I'm still back when you said <laughs> parents are asking, <laughs> I don't like my kid. Like you right, lost we, me we there. Did, Cause I don't remember ever not liking my kids, but I think if, that that's, no, that's a legitimate that's thing. It's a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've just been thinking about that the whole time. You've all been saying wonderful things. <laughs> I think that, um, I think if I think about it, wow, 
I would have to immediately as a parent think, why do I not like my kid? Okay. Mm. And if there's actually a really rebellious behavior in them, mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. really frighten me in the teenage years because you know the end result of that is they could go once they're out of your home and they're 22 yeah. and they're gone and they're not. So I would like do anything I could to restore that relationship and whatever it meant, you know, taking mm-hmm. them with me on trips or whatever. But but I also would just say, you know, we all have to look, Diane already hit it, you know, we realize we don't have a big, and our love is too small. We yes. need God's love. And so I think if you're a parent listening to this and you're thinking, honestly, I don't like my kid right now, I'm exhausted, and that's real, and it's okay to say that's real, but then you have to take that that feeling before the Lord. And I'm all for counseling, but let's remember Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And so take to him and say, Lord, what's going on in my heart? You know, and I, I what well, you guys were talking, I turned to Ephesians 2, where Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And then he prays this beautiful prayer that, you know, preachers like to preach through. <laughs> but it he's praying for them that they would know the love of of God. And yeah. you know, and you guys know this passage, but he said that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So it's with God's people and with the family of God that we really understand God's love. What is <clears throat> the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And so I feel like we need to pray that we understand how deep that love is. Mm. And we need to, you know, I like to remember, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I think as a father, if I'm not bowing my knees before the Father, how can I expect my kids ever to do that? Yeah. So again, like, I need to model for them how to love someone even when I don't like what their behavior. And yeah. so like you said, you mm. love your kids. But um, anyway, I just feel like, you said parenting is, is one of the best ways for spiritual formation. Absolutely. Yes, really because is. if you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to blow yeah, it I regularly and, and you're going to create all kinds of <laughs> havoc. But if you do it filled with the Spirit and with God's yeah. perspective, then you're going to, God is going to, yeah. <laughs> like to say, not only is God using you to shape your children, He's using your children to shape, shape you. you. <laughs> yes, he and is. so, you know, when, when you have those moments of tension and, and I don't, don't like my kid, God's saying, oh, look at your heart. Yes. Why is it? Is it? selfishness is it something that god's trying to get your attention about anyway that's a thought i had i would just add though sometimes what is really annoying you with your child is something that needs to be corrected because nobody Mm -hmm. honestly loves your child like you do and if you don't correct them say they're being real whiny or they're constantly pushing back or questioning everything or just needing constant attention those are all things that the world will correct yes, and they'll do yeah. it harshly and they'll do yeah. it shamefully and they'll just, they have the potential to destroy your child. Yes. And that's in high school, that's at church, that's when they go away to college, that's in their marriage. Yeah. So it may be that this is a magnifying, you should listen to your soul a little, mm-hmm. maybe there's a magnifying glass, you know, glass kind of looking at a flaw in your child that you better address right now before somebody else destroys them over yeah. that. It's a truism, but if you don't love yeah. that child enough yeah. to say, listen, there's something you're doing that is really hard oh. to live with, and I'm going to help coach you out of this. Yeah. We are going to agree because you're going you're gonna to lose friends over this. But we're seeing this all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Where parents or even adults now won't confront. You yes. know, I know we've talked about this before where yes. you're, you're like adults are scared to um, even confront front or mm-hmm. be confronted because mm-hmm. their parents maybe never set that kind of feedback culture up where right. it's like, Hey, we're going to have a culture of feedback. Like we're mm. all for you, but we cannot assume that everything that we do is, is the always the exactly. best, the perfect. And so having a space where it's like, you are safe to mess up, but when we do, we work through it together. Yes. And like, mm-hmm. I think the teenagers, how many opportunities I remember I had to mess up and did mess up, right? And like how many opportunities mm-hmm. did I have to be like, okay, that was, you're not bad, but that was a bad choice. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, yes. and that's not gonna serve you well. That's gonna really destroy your life. So right? we yeah. used to say, you have our unconditional love, totally. But you don't have our unconditional acceptance. There are some things that are not acceptable. We'll love you through them, but we're not going to accept everything. So Hmm. disrespect, 
you know, disregarding the rules. There's certain things that are not acceptable and there will be consequences yeah. because honestly, we love them enough to not let them just stay stuck in where they are. <laughs> and that's like the father is with us. He loves us so much. Mm -hmm. He's willing yes. to even use our kids to oh, discipline us. I was just going <laughs> to say though, really quick, I just wanted to say a personal example from being 17 years old and dating your daughter. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very real palpable memory. Um, or I think maybe we're 18 or 19. I just remember this is a whole other topic and a whole other podcast, but I feel like it's a very important point for this. Um, <laughs> so we decided when we first started dating, we dated two different times, primarily because Elizabeth decided that I wasn't going to be fit for her for marriage. <laughs> so she broke up with me for two and a half years. Anyway, I want her back. That's a whole other fun story for another time. But when we started dating the second time, we were still 18 or 19, somewhere around there. We were like 19 or 20. Yeah, somewhere around there. But still like, you know, it, not out of the home. I was living with my parents. You were still living with your parents. We were still under the care and the mm -hmm. shepherding of, mm -hmm. of, of the family. And, uh, we go away for this trip to Seattle. We stayed at some friends, uh, some of the, the friend's house and we came back and we had, we decided we weren't going to kiss until we got engaged. If we got engaged, well, we decided this was just this beautiful romantic moment overlooking all of Seattle and we had kissed. And I remember it was just the most magical experience in the world. We come back and we are so excited to tell you. <laughs> We kissed for the first time. I and mean, we had this kind of relationship. I don't know if I was excited. I think I was doing it out of sheer obligation. No. <laughs> That's, a, again, a whole other, <laughs> like, mom and dad. I don't have to tell them because they think we're not. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is, like, so many fun podcasts for later. But, but the point being that we shared that with you. And I remember your response wasn't, guys, that's so great. That's so exciting. You're like, oh, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this seriously. And and I was like, wait, wait I thought you were just supposed to be happy for us, right? And mm. I remember that you you basically, <laughs> Phil was laughing. It was like, why are you kissing my daughter? Um, but, the, <laughs> but the point was, what, and the point I'm making is actually in your favor, I promise. Uh, you, <laughs> sat, you sat us down and you basically, you helped us. You said, listen, this is totally beautiful, but you know, it's the similar idea of what Proverbs talks about. When a fire is not in a fireplace, it can destroy your home. Like if you set up a fire in the middle of your living room, it will burn down your house. But if it's in the fireplace where it belongs, then, you know, you're safe and it brings warmth and it's beautiful. Same same idea with sex outside of marriage. Like outside of marriage, it can be destructive. Inside of marriage, it's beautiful. It brings warmth. It's It's amazing. And I remember you guys walking us through like and asking us, so why do you think you need to kiss? And I'm like, I had no answer. I was like, I'm 18. She's beautiful. I have no answer for you. <laughs> I have no answer. But it was a really great moment where without shame and without like making us feel like the worst people in the world, you were still helping us along to go, hey, in, in, until you get closer to marriage, kissing leads to stuff. And it's a beautiful thing. But it's if it's before it's time, it's not beautiful and it's destructive. And it was one of those things where we were, you know, Again, it was an opportunity for you to speak into our life to help us, help us not destroy our lives. And, you know, it's in that moment, it wasn't like, oh, I love this conversation I'm having with my girlfriend's <laughs> parents. <laughs> not to realize we would have lots of these conversations for decades to come. Um, and I sit on this podcast now laughing about all of it. But at the time, I was like, it this wasn't is, funny. It wasn't the time. fun. This is what, like, this isn't fun. But it was also really good and it was yeah. really helpful and as parents i think sometimes you're gonna have to make those decisions you do and and, it's hard. and you'll have to keep doing it like i had a woman who was just my partner in um leading the ministry to women for over a decade and she's this amazing godly woman and she told me one day you know she had godly parents hmm. really had so much respect for them she said there's one thing my parents did wrong and it about destroyed my life Hmm. That while she was dating the guy she ended up marrying and who fathered her two children, they had serious reservations and they saw flaws in his character that they, all they did was pray that she would see hmm. him. Never once said, have you seen this? What do you think about this? And hmm. And they got married and... The marriage fell apart fairly quickly. He was unfaithful after it was it was disastrous. Yeah. And after all that happened, her mother said, Well, you know, your your father and I really prayed against this marriage. We prayed it wouldn't happen. And she was flabbergasted. They had not let on at all. They were so supportive. Hmm. 
that they were supporting her when she was blind with love and there was some pretty obvious character flaws in him that ended up destroying Yes. But that's, I think that's what I was trying to get to is like, yes. is, is set up that when your kids are young, that you're going to yes. be honest with them, even yeah. when it's awkward and hard. Like, I'm sure yeah. you weren't having a great time having that conversation with no. 19 year old me and Elizabeth, like, let's yeah. talk about like, that wasn't comfortable or like, right. let's have this conversation. But you, you did that in love. And I think the more we can do that with our kids and establish like, yes, there's going to be certain things that we don't accept, but we love you unconditionally and get to that language of uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there's a third thing. I, d- I don't want to move on to f- any Elizabeth or Phil. I don't want to skip over. No, I would I just add one phrase that Diane says regularly. We parent out of relationship. Hmm. God parents us out of relationship. And mm-hmm. so this it's conversation. Yes. And and we need to be talking and, and listening to each other. Yes. And as I remember that conversation, Brooke... By that remember. time, I already loved you like my son. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sitting across from you right now at the very beginning of the podcast. You know, we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. And I, at the very beginning of the podcast, I just had that overwhel- overwhelming swelling of my heart and love for you. Oh, my son. Thank you. What a gift you are mm, to us. You. And it wasn't because you were saying nice things. I don't think you'd said anything nice yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was just honestly feeling, I love, I love this young man. Oh, thank you. And I think that that conversation was comfortable with you guys because you had been so open hmm. in your relationship with us to the point of of you talking about adopting some of our values because they they made sense to you. They did. And I didn't um, like them. We <laughs> and we talked about you're a passionate young man. How would you keep this relationship intact? You were so in love with Elizabeth. I it mean, was, I mean, you just, just meet flowers every time he came over. And just, I mean, obviously the attraction was extraordinarily high. <laughs> so we've had these ongoing conversations. Yeah. The way I remembered it, you had also kind of invited us into your oh, life. Oh, we did. We did. That yeah. could be a destructive conversation had there not been that invitation yeah. at some point. I don't remember this at all, but I know <laughs> what I would have quoted now that you said we had it. In Corinthians, it is good for a man not to light the fire of passion, not you to touch. Did quote that. It is good you for a man not to that. touch a woman, which means light the fire of passion. I probably use the that's illustration of a, a match. That's exactly when you light the match. Exactly what you it's, did. It's, it burns. So the kiss <laughs> is eventually supposed to lead, lead somewhere. To no, I remember it. I so, remember it vividly. I it wanted is. to protect my daughter and, you and did. protect you. you. Totally yes, did. And that and was the you, best part. And but Diane's right. You listened. You invited us, and that—that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. When. Yeah. When uh, your kids are dating, that you know they're they're not totally resisting. You have yeah. no right to tell me what to do, you know. But Love you that. have a relationship, and you're mm-hmm. already parenting out a relationship, and and there's there's mutual respect yeah. established. Well, the last thing uh, before we go, there's one more thing, uh, just as one of these keys to continue to connect with your kids spiritually through the teenage years. And Diane, what is that third thing? Invite their input. Yes, which is really. Every teenager is just dying to be invited into conversation. Mm. They want to give their opinion about <laughs> kind of everything. Every, I, was say, <laughs> just say, I think it's more important uh, to just tell them when to not give what's their that opinion. Saying? And what's you know, that? big things and small things. I remember when my daughter started getting into makeup and I I like, I always have worn makeup, I wear makeup, but it's just not a big thing to me. I would never read a blog post on the best mascara. And my daughter's wanting to kind of um, update their mom just a little bit. (laughs) 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 And sometimes it was a little awkward, but if if you have those little things, you're inviting their input. Honey, how does this look? It's blue eyeshadow no longer is style. No, mom, it's no longer a style. <laughs> oh, um, I think if you can start on the little things, then it just opens the doors for some of the bigger things. But there is a phrase that I learned that works like magic to the teenager who shuts you off. And it's just three words that work wonders. And it's this, tell me more. Oh, it's an great. invitation to, for your child to open up their heart to hmm. you. And, mm-hmm. and to be safe, tell me more, I'm interested. So they, otherwise, they sometimes think that you are a teenager and you're going to act like they, they are, which is challenge everything that comes out of your mouth. Mm. But if instead you're doing the opposite and you're saying, tell me more, honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honey, tell me more. And That's acting, amazing. you know, with genuine warmth and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even the most closed off teenager or really the most closed off person, mm-hmm. anyone, seems just compelled to spill what's on the tip of their tongue yeah. with that simple phrase that fairly shouts, you matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this world, we're not getting the message very often, any of us, that we actually really, in all honesty, matter. Oh, this is so, this is really beautiful. The one thing I just wanted to say really quick, and then Phil, I'm going to pass it to you. You know, these three keys are are beautiful for the relationship of a, a parent with a child. But I also just had the realization of how powerful this can be even in marriage. Mm-hmm. If you respect your spouse's insights, humble yourself and invite their input. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Talk, I mean, sure. like I, those are also mm-hmm. keys in marriage, right? They like that's are. a big deal because I'm thinking yes. of if my response to you, Elizabeth, is more of the 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 curiosity, tell me more. Like some some marriages have that naturally, but I, I know plenty that that don't. It's like whatever you experience or feel feel I don't want to know about mm-hmm. and I don't want to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to really mm-hmm. respect your insight and I mm-hmm. can't humble myself to listen to you. You know, like that, those are mm-hmm. really key, not just in your relationship Yours. with your kids, but like mm-hmm. your own personal life, even in your marriage. So mm-hmm. anyway, just a highlight. No, wow. So I'll carry it even further. Take it. Okay. So if these are principles for the parent child relationship, you're saying they're also for marriage. Well, marriage Ephesians five is supposed to be an illustration to the world of the relationship between uh, Jesus Christ saying, as yes. the bridegroom and and we as the bride of Christ, and so we need to respect. Yes. Uh, what's the first one? Respect God's the, the insight. The, the insight. insights that God has because He is wisdom. Yes. Secondly, humble yourselves in the presence of the yes. Lord that He may exalt you. And what's the third one? Invite invite, invite him into your life, invite him and him. you'll be a better parent. And um, <clears throat> all I wanted to say is these things we're talking about. You don't start them at sixteen. When your kids are, if they're, if if they've received Jesus at five, six, seven, they got baptized at young kids, and they've got insights at ten, eleven, and twelve, and so all of our major decisions, I'm, the big, big one I'm thinking about right now is when we left California to move to Oregon. That was a huge deal because our parents were in every. We left our whole family behind, and I was, uh, you know, forty-one years old, I think, and John Mark wasn't even quite twelve yet. But I remember he and I went over to Santa Cruz and we fasted until dinner. Which was so, you know, we fasted <laughs> breakfast and lunch and we were praying That's and cool. jogging and it started raining on us, you know. And so we were, and I was asking him what he thought. Do you think we should go? What do you think God's leading us to do? And so mm. I think that um, inviting their input um, even before mm-hmm. they're, they're 16 or whatever, but then it should continue on. Mm. I love that. Well, uh, thank you for listening today. Um, this we're going to have a, a part two of this which I'm excited to we'll share more with you soon but thanks for listening thank you for listening to today's podcast if this podcast has blessed you in any way here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry first is to give Intentional Parents is a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous giving of our partners so please head over to our website intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families. 